The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I'm Pastor Matt. This is your first time here. Like Joseph said, if you'd fill out one of those Connect cards, we'd love to get some information to you about who we are and start a dialogue about um, church and, and how you fit and help you find a fit and make sure that, that you're where God is calling you to be and where you'll plug in. Because for me, it's not, I, I'm partial about the creek, but I know it's not the church for everybody. And my main goal is to help you get plugged in where you're going to allow God to work in you and through you in the best way possible. And I hope that's at the creek and I'm going to help you do that. We've got an incredible team of people that help do that. Um, so if you'll fill out that guest card, you can drop it in our giving station. Uh, we don't pass a plate. We put uh, giving stations on the back wall. You can do that on your way out. We do that for a couple reasons. Um, number one, I believe so- God is sovereign over his plans. And I don't have to spend my time as a preacher begging you for money. Uh, I don't think that's necessary. I think as God works on your heart, that, that changes how we give. And um, so we put them in the back. I also believe that our giving is an act of worship. And God said, let your giving be done in secret so he can bless you. And so we're not going to pass a plate and create that tension and that pressure. But it's on your way out. You can also give online or through text giving. Um, but I do want to talk about money for just a minute because some of y'all missed uh, an announcement I made a couple weeks ago about our Foundations campaign. Foundations was a, a spiritual journey we launched three years ago um, in, a, in a preparation to begin to move into a permanent facility, not knowing that this was materializing in God's plan. I said he's sovereign over his plan, right? Well, we didn't know all this facility was materializing, and so we began a spiritual journey to be prepared for that next step. And in November of 2012, our Creek families pledged that, that over the next three years, they would be able to give $380,356 towards that permanent facility. Well, as of two weeks ago, what has come in is over $550,000. I mean, that is incredible. So, yeah. What's incredible about that is so many people joined that process along the way. And so uh, I want to, we're, we're bringing that, that three-year journey to a close, and I would like to celebrate that with a year-end offering. And so I'm going to ask you to do two things as you think about a year-end offering. It's simple. Hear God and be obedient. That's what we challenged people to do three years ago. You know, it's not, I didn't have to spend time going, well, we need this much money. I just said, hear God and be obedient because when we do that, God puts it on our hearts what to give and it's always going to challenge us, but it's always going to bless other people. And so many of you, our church has grown by almost 50% since last November. We celebrated our one year anniversary last week. If you missed it, you missed out. It was, it was awesome. So sorry it was so cold and we gave you popsicles, but let me, let me teach you something about leadership. In leadership, you make the best decision you can with the information you have at the time you have it. And so we made a decision on Steel City Pops and we had to roll with it. We didn't know the cold front was going to come in. It was going to be that cold. It's Texas, okay? I mean, it could be, it was freezing this morning. It could be 90 tomorrow. Who knows? But we celebrated one year, but in that one year... Our church has grown by almost 50%. So here's what that means. It's not dollars for dollars. It's dollars for life change. So when we give, it's not that God says, hey, I I need a dollar so I can make this dollar do this. What God says is, is our money translates to ministry. 
So in the last year, we've seen more marriages reconciled. Those marriages that were on the rocks, that God's able to come in and do something. We've, we've walked with people through divorce. That we've seen God bring healing through, through broken relationships. We've seen kids completely turn their life around and, and submit everything to Jesus in a relationship with him. And, and we've seen people give up things. We've seen people start new things for Christ. We've seen uh, salvations. We've seen baptisms. All of these things are a result of a faithfulness in being obedient to God, in hearing and being obedient. So I want to thank you for your generosity in that. What I love about our campaign and what God's been able to do in and through our church community is translate money to ministry. Because the last thing I wanted to do, I told you this three years ago, those who were here, I don't want to be in a situation where we're trying to spend all of our money paying for a facility. I don't think that's healthy ministry. What this foundations campaign has allowed us to do is, is we do have a mortgage. Most of us have a mortgage on our house. We have a mortgage on this facility, but we were able to put over half a million dollars cash into this facility. So the bulk of our money goes to ministry, not to facility. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you for that. I think that is something worth clapping about because you know what? When I, say that, when I say our mission is to glorify God through lives changed by the gospel, let me tell you something. The gospel has become more tangible and more real in my own life in the last year. And I'm grateful for that process because I'm able to give God more glory in that. So uh, that's, that, I just wanted you to be up on that. If you have any questions about that, you can ask me, email me, anything like that. I'd love to, I love sharing all kinds of stuff with you. Um, so let's get into this. This week, like I said earlier, starts a crazy time of year, and it's my favorite time of year. I mean, I, I wish it would start snowing today and, and not let up until January, and, uh, but yes, love you, brother. Some of uh, the, those of you transplanted from the north, like, that dude is demon-possessed. Well, I'm giving you a fantasy here, because in that fantasy, the snow never gets dirty. We never have to shovel it. The roads are always clear. Sorry, kids, you're going to go to school. But uh, because it, you got to go to school because it plays out the Christmas story, right? Because even with snow on the ground, they went to school, right? So anyway, I love this time of year. I love the Christmas movies because in the movies, there is snow on the ground the whole Christmas season. And it seems to be more relaxed. Some of y'all watch Jingle All the Way, and that's just a stressful Christmas movie. Don't do that. But I like watching the relaxing Christmas movies. And I want the season to be like that. But the reality is, I know it's not like that for everybody. I love this time of year. Sadly, in our country, the suicide rate goes up this time of year because people go into depression. They, they're reminded of loneliness and hurt and broken relationship. Some of you, this is the first Thanksgiving and Christmas that you're spending without a loved one. That might be uh, the marriage didn't survive. Or maybe... One of your family members has passed away, and this is the first Thanksgiving and Christmas where that place at the table will be empty. And I understand how hard that is. And so this season represents different things, but we've got to get back to the real reason in this. And I want to do this before Thanksgiving, because here's the thing. Once next weekend, we've all hit the slippery slope into the chaotic hustle and bustle of the holidays. And so I want us to take some time this morning to kind of set a plan and set some focus and set some priorities so that we go into this 
not letting the, the busyness dictate our time this season, but we let the presence of God work in us and through us through this season. There's a difference in how we approach this. And we're going to look at it. We're going to look at a situation in Luke chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, meet me there. Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back cabinets for you. Or if you have a smartphone, there's an app called YouVersion. It's free or you can Google just Luke chapter 10, um, verse 38 through 42. If you don't own a Bible and you need one, let, we'll give you one after this service. Or if you want to get it right now, you can get it right now. We're not, we're not going to think anything of that. But write your name in it so we know who to get it to. But we want you to have access to the Word of God. I just don't want you taking my word for it. I want you to know how to find it and engage with it and start to get yourself immersed in it. But we're going to set up sometimes because the, the, we're on a polarity. There's a spectrum. Some are excited about it and some are not excited about it. But either way, we all need to spend time in the presence of God. So Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read it. This is, this, is a, this is a true story about Jesus. This isn't a parable. This isn't, there was once this man, this is, this is true in the life of Jesus. And what he's coming off of is he's coming off of preaching the gospel, preaching the kingdom of, of heaven. In chapter 10, he sends out the 72. He says, go out. He goes, you're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. And they go out. They come back. And they have that, the, a win session. You know, we, we like to talk in our staff about wins. What are the wins that we're seeing in the kingdom? They have this win session. And then Jesus gives some teaching. And, and then he comes into this situation where he's like, he's ready for some rest. So verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him. She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Okay, I got sisters. I got two older sisters and a younger brother. Can you see the family drama that's getting ready to unfold here? Even if you're an only child, you need to realize something. There's a bond between siblings that with my brother, no one could beat him up but me. My sisters, I, fighting was a whole new level with girls. I'm telling you, man, they play these mind tricks. I think, I think they were Jedis. I, I'm just, I mean, they, they play these, it's an emotional battle. I would much rather my older sister when I was younger, just come up and punch me in the face. You're bigger, you're taller than I am. Just punch me in the face and it's done. No, they, 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 they work on you for like three days with these emotions. And like, you got two women. And, and, and I, when I saw my sisters <laughs> fight, I was like, man, that's, that's, that's like watching Star Wars. Um, but there's tension getting ready to happen. And so to set the scene, you've got Jesus coming into their house, and, and Jesus takes a seat, man, he's reclining. And then you've got Martha, who's busy, she's preparing stuff, and she's like, look, Jesus is here, you know, if Jesus showed up to your house, you're going to bring out the good china, right? You know, I, I, I laugh about our communion, we have the plastic cups, like Jesus is into chinette, you know? But you're going to put the best out for Jesus, right? So Martha's like, got to do it, got to do it. I mean, you're just everything. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, 
It's one thing to attack a sibling in this situation, because that's what Martha's doing. She's like, look, Mary, you're not doing jack. Get up. I mean, we had to do the dishes after dinner, and that just presented a whole, that was a whole new fight. That, that's what ensured every child went to bed crying, right? But it's one thing to turn on Jesus. I mean, Martha goes, Lord, don't you care? I mean, okay. Jesus is the word of God in flesh. Jesus is God. He's fully man, fully God. You've got the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence. And you've got this woman saying, don't you care that I'm doing all the work and she's just sitting on her butt? Rear? We'll edit that for the podcast. We're just, I'm just calling it like it is, man. Sorry. If I were writing the story, if I were God... It would have a much different tone from that point, right? Because how many of y'all, your kids come up and they would, they, they throw a little attitude and you as a parent, your tone completely changes. You, you take on the theology of Bill Cosby, child, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. And I'll create another one just like you. There's tension I want you to feel that. Some of y'all are getting ready to go sit around tables this season, and there's going to be tension, right? It's, it's, you, you're going to be care- like, I don't know if I should say that, or I want to say this, or how do, I have to, how do I have to behave? And if you're married, and then the tension exists on his side, and you're coming in at ladies, that's just so fun. Um, and then vice versa for the guys. For us guys, we're just like, man, whatever. It does affect us. If this is your first year married and you're, going to, you're splitting that Thanksgiving and Christmas trying to figure out, oh, you're going, there's tension. And we've got to understand this situation. Then Jesus, uh, he, he deals with Martha. He says, the Lord answered her. Jesus answered her. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Have you... Have you ever spent time praying for God to change someone else? We all have. I mean, it's, it's, it's human nature. And I know as I've started into this sibling tension and family tension and, and holiday tension and relational tension, your mind has started thinking, I know who needs to be here. And you're looking around like, is she here? Is he here? Maybe they were here first service. Please, Lord, let them have been here first service. Let me tell you what happens We see it as an example here. When we go to God, God changed that person. What happens? Jesus is going to talk to us. So I want to challenge you this morning. Don't be thinking about who else needs to hear this message. Matter of fact, I'm going to pray for us right now, and I want you to pray and say, God, talk to me. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for your love and your grace and your caring attitude towards us. I just ask that right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit and your presence in this place, that you open our ears and our hearts and our minds so that we hear from you about us. We all have people, God, that we're praying for, and there are people in our lives that are challenges to us that we pray that you change their heart. But God, we ask in this time that you speak to our hearts so that we can focus on your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.
when we think about this season, when I think about this season, the reality is it's not about the trees and the presents and the turkey and the food and the Christmas parties and trying to go here and trying to do this and going to look at lights and getting the kids this and trying to find the right gift for this person. It all goes back to the first Christmas. That on that night, God became flesh and made his dwelling among man. You see, in the Old Testament, the presence of God would would hover and, and kind of preside over his children. You look at the Israelites going through the desert in Egypt, um, or out of Egypt in Exodus, and you had a fire by night, cloud by day, and that's the presence of God. It's called the Shekinah glory of God that was over them, leading them, guiding them, and even governing them. On that first Christmas night, God makes it personal. He says, not only, I'm I'm no longer going to dwell over you, I'm going to dwell with you. One of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of God coming to earth. And I want to call us to that whole season, and I want us to start this week with thanksgiving for that, and thanksgiving for all that God has done in us and through us. And then I want us to go into this season with the sole focus that your presence, God, is everything. Because here's what I know about the presence of God. There are things that happen in the presence of God that cannot happen anywhere else. There is hope that is restored in the presence of God. There is peace in the most tumultuous times that happens in the presence of God. There is healing in the presence of God. There is freedom in the presence of God. There is salvation in the presence of God. There is genuine, authentic worship that happens in the presence of God. Anything that we try to manufacture outside of the presence of God is done under our own power and our own abilities. And God says, that becomes the work side that you're not resting in my presence and you're not resting in my peace and enjoying everything that I've already paid for. And so I want us to to look at some things and create a plan before the busyness of the season because you understand this. Once you get in the battle, it's hard to formulate a plan. But we've got some time. Let's plan for it so then we can execute and make it a holy time and a God-honoring and glorifying time. The first thing that we need to do is we need to... We need to set priorities in our life. We all prioritize everything in our life. Now, you type A's do this better than anybody else on the planet because you, you love the list and the priority list. You like the checklist. You, you, you're, you get incredible satisfaction out of writing out your list and then doing what? Checking it off. Oh, my goodness. And, and here's what I know. You type A's. If that thing is not on your list and you do it, what do you do? You add it to the list just so you can check it off. Because you're like, That's, it wasn't a priority, but it became a priority and I did it. So I put it on the list. So I checked it off. It's done. Boom. Mm. And there's this deep satisfaction that you get from that check mark. Like, it is finished. I mean, you're like, you feel the weight of the glory of the cross. You're like, it is finished. But we all prioritize everything in our life. Even if we choose not to make a decision about where it falls on the priority list, we've prioritized it. 
And, uh, and what we need to see in this, in not, not just this situation with Mary and Martha and Jesus, but in the entirety of the scripture and the entirety of the gospel is that God, his presence should be our top priority. Everything else should fall away in the presence of God. So when we start asking ourselves, where does the presence of God fall on our list of priorities? Is it even on there? And some of you, let me, let me free you from the, from, from, uh, I think this is a legalistic idea that you think that ha- God having your top and first priority means that you get up at 5 a.m. and have the first two hours of your day with God. If that's the way you do it, then, then praise be to God that you can get up at 5 a.m. and focus for two hours on the presence of God and you can pray and read scripture and journal. Man, that's great. I can't do that. And if you're feeling condemned because that's not your, your quiet time, don't get, fall into the legalistic trap that it should be, uh, I'm more holy at 5 a.m. Let me tell you something. If you wake me up at 5 a.m., there ain't nothing holy coming out of this. <laughs> My holiness starts about 8. But the focus is putting a priority on being in the presence of God. And let me, let me challenge you. If you have your quiet time, no matter what time of day it is, is it just an appointment with God Is it a meeting with God or is it spending time in his presence? Because one gets us religion and one deepens and nurtures a relationship with our Father. There's a list of priorities that God's kind of identified to me as I look through scripture that honestly I have to come back to often and it, it's God first, then Heather, then my daughters, my son-in-law, then it's my friends, and then it's my work. And that doesn't mean like, oh, if tomorrow my friends want to do something, I don't play golf, but if they want to do something, um, then that prioritizes above work. No, I'm talking in a relational sense. And, and understand this, because I'm a pastor, I can't get work in God in the same one. Let me tell you, the best thing for our community and for the creek is when God is my top priority, when he's feeding me, then I can feed you. I can't be a malnourished shepherd. Otherwise, I'm just trying to regurgitate information, not preaching transformation. You see, the the word of God is not designed for me to be a mama bird and chew it up and spit it in your mouth. I know that's disgusting, isn't it? I think the Holy Spirit says that's disgusting when you're not prioritizing me above everything else and you're just studying to give it to somebody else. I would much rather this transform my life and you get nothing out of it. I'm sorry to be honest in that. But if I'm not, if I'm not being fed, I can't feed you. If I'm not being led by the Holy Spirit, I can't lead you. So God is my top priority. So God should get the first and the best of my attention throughout the day. Throughout everything I do, I put a priority on it. You know, it's funny that Jesus, 
when he talked to, Mary, uh, talked to Martha about Mary, he didn't blast Martha. He didn't just say, you know, he wasn't like the old knight in uh, uh, number three, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Like, you chose poorly, Martha. What he's saying is Mary chose the better portion. It's this whole idea we talked a couple weeks ago about good versus best. Like, serving God is a good thing, right? I think we can all agree on that. But he's saying in this situation, Mary chose the best thing. It's good versus best based on the priority of what was going on. You've got the presence of God. Jesus is there. He's like, look, I, I, I know that you're anxious and distracted about the, these things. When our priorities get out of whack, we get anxious. We start to get stressed out. We start to, we start to move out of balance. But what I've learned is when, when my priorities are in order and I'm giving God the first and the best, I mean, this whole idea of the first fruits, we see it tied to money throughout Scripture because God says, look, if, if I'm your priority and I get your first and best, then everything else can be blessed and everything can be holy. When God gets the first and the best of my attention and my affection and my, my, my love, then my love, affection, and attention to my wife can be holy and blessed. My love, affection, and attention to my kids can be blessed. My love, affection, and attention to my friends, my love, affection, and attention to my job can be blessed and holy. And there, there, it, it just works together that way. But, but we start to get distracted. I mean, Jesus said, Martha, you are distracted about many things. Here's, here's part of our plan. We need to identify the distractions that keep us from the important things in life. There's a, there's a principle in leadership, and you can Google this, and it, it's quite interesting. It's called tyranny of the urgent. And what that means is most of us, when you read the material, most of us spend our life, whether in our work situation or our home situation, most of the time, it's our entirety of life. We spend our time chasing the things that have become urgent, and we miss what's important. This Christmas season, you start chasing the urgent things like, I got to find this gift, or we've got to figure out how to carve out this night to be able to go to this party. And you find yourselves in the urgent and miss the important. What Jesus is saying to Martha is, look, you're getting caught up in the urgency of thinking I need food and I'm trying to feed you. you know, our women's dinner. Ladies, I know that your life is crazy. And we don't do a women's dinner just to be another thing for you to try to have to do. We want it to be an important thing so that you get fed. I love serving in that. I sneak in the back during the preaching because my wife is preaching, and she can call the fire down. She is an incredible preacher. I try to get her to preach on Sunday. She goes, I'm not doing that. So I sneak in and watch my baby preach on, on the women's dinner. And I can, I can tell you, it's, we don't do that just to have another thing on a church calendar. Like, well, churches should be busy all the time. I think churches chase too much urgency and miss the important. So we've got to understand that there are distractions in our life that, that cause us to miss the presence of God. Moms, if you've got young kids, your quiet time is probably done in about three to five minute snippets, Right? I mean, just the time you get in the presence of God and you just feel God speaking to you, Mom, I'm done. <laughs> so, some of y'all get that. 
Uh-huh. Three to five minute snippets, right? <laughs> Some of y'all with family tension, it's hard to get in the presence of God. Marriage tension, sibling tension, parental tension, tension with your kids. Let me encourage you, we need to create boundaries in our life and in our relationships to be able to manage distractions. Because a lot of our distractions are relationships. Relationships with other people and relationships with other things. And it's what we're giving our attentions and our affections to that cause distractions. And then there are distractions that just come out of left field. But what are the boundaries to do that? And we create those. And, and the way this starts to mirror is, how do my priorities create boundaries to manage the distractions in my life? You see, we create boundaries around our family because when we get to the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas table, we don't want that distraction to cause us to miss the presence of God. And I'm not saying throw your family outside. I'm saying create healthy boundaries with your family. The goal with our relationships and tension in our relationships is reconciliation. And those boundaries can either hinder or help that reconciliation. And you need healthy boundaries because you don't want to disable a relationship that can be restored, but you also don't want to enable the same situation to keep perpetuating year after year in your life. So we create boundaries to manage those distractions. We create boundaries on our schedule to manage distractions. <clears throat> and so uh, the, the question becomes, and what distracts you from the presence of God? I don't know what they are. I know what mine are. I mean, I try to start quiet time, and I'm like, I, I open my Bible and start praying, and I start reading, and I'm like, Jesus, speak to me. And then I start thinking about what I got to do next. And I got to come back to it. <clears throat> Jesus, speak to me. But know what your distractions are. And the third thing, last thing, is we need to have balance in the activities we engage in. A life out of balance is a scary thing. You ever have a wheel on your car out of balance? Ladies, you may, let me explain to you what that might mean. Because if you're like our household, my car's shaking. And so I take it in, and I get, get the tires balanced. But it's incredible. You've got about a 5,000-pound vehicle, and it has these little weights on the inside of the rims, and they're about the size of a quarter. Now, what's the craziest thing to me is how something the size of a quarter can make 5,000 pounds of machinery feel like it's falling apart on the highway. A couple years ago in my, 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 my truck, I'm driving down the road, and, and literally I'm doing like 55, 60 miles an hour, and the steering wheel's doing this. Now, when you hit the brakes, it got real fun because it went like this. But Heather wouldn't drive it. She goes, I don't think that's safe. I was like, it's fine. Once you hit 70, it starts to harmonically balance out. I was like, Whoa. I'm just kidding, <laughs> maybe. So I take it in and I get it balanced. Heather didn't want to be in that vehicle. She, that's not safe. It's 
amazing to me how the smallest things in our life can make our entire life shaky. And balance is vital. And when we look at this situation, when we look at this balancing Martha and Mary, you know, I think the balance is this, is that we, we should work like Martha and worship like Mary, but understand that we have to live in balance with that. I mean, that, one of the things we do at the creek, <clears throat> one of the main reasons we do two services is because early on when we had one service, we noticed that people would either work and miss worship or they would worship and miss an opportunity to serve. So the two services, we want you to be able to serve and sit. We want you to be able to work and worship. And that's healthy. That balance is vital to the body of Christ. Now, I, I want to I I caution you in this. Because when you do either one, they each have a detriment. That if we spend all of our time working for Christ and serving, it's like there's water going out, but there's nothing coming in. So you've got a dam that's, that's creating a blockage for the inflow and everything's going out. And what tends to happen in those situations is, is we become dried up, we get burnt out. You ever experienced that? If you've got any background in church, you know what I'm talking about. The, the, the other side is if all we do is sit and worship in the presence of God, then we've got all this coming in but nothing going out, and there's a tendency for that to get stagnant and toxic. You ever experienced that in church? The health is in the balance. And, and let, me, let me just caution you because some of you are in a trap right now as I'm your mind is here and I'm, I'm here because you're thinking, well, am I more like Mary and I need to be more like Martha? Is that what you're saying? Or am I more like Martha and I need to be more like Mary? Now, let me call your attention to who else is in this story. Who else is in this living room? And it's Jesus. I'm not telling you to be more like Mary and I'm not telling you to be more like Jesus or Martha. I'm telling you to be more like Jesus who is the example of this balance. You see, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. His greatest act of service was laying his life on the cross and giving up his life as a ransom for us. And that through that act of service and sacrifice, we get the gospel, the good news, the greatest news the world has ever heard so that we find our identity in him to serve like Christ. Because when we are in Christ, Scripture doesn't tell me that, that the, the, the verse that Joseph read earlier, for those who are called according to his purpose and those who are called in his likeness. Nowhere in Scripture do I see that when I become a Christian, and the Holy Spirit starts working on my life that he's trying to make me to look more like Mary. And I can't find the verse that says he's trying to make me look more like Martha. It says he's trying to conform me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So when I serve, I should serve like Jesus. 
But Jesus also had balance. He also was the chief worshiper. Where after times of great victory and great stress, he secluded himself to spend time with the Father. After the feeding of thousands of people, Jesus puts his disciples in a boat, says, you guys go ahead, and he goes up on a mountaintop by himself to spend time with the Father. So if what you get out of this today is as we're going into a crazy season, whether you love it or you don't, I'm challenging you that in your plan, your plan to experience peace and joy is this, to know peace you have to know Jesus. To be transformed by peace, we have to be in the presence of peace. So don't walk out of here with another thing going, man, I got to work more or I don't worship enough. Walk out of here with your heart feeling the rest and the presence of God saying, Jesus, make me look more like you every second I'm alive. And make that transformation exponential this Christmas season. Because what an unbelieving world desperately needs to see is not Martha's and not Mary's, but they need to see Jesus. So, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. And may the peace of Christ rule and reign in your hearts and in your minds this entire season and beyond. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is life to dry bones. Thank you that it is water that nourishes a thirsty soul. And Father, I just ask you, keep us from the conviction of the enemy that tells us that we need to look more like Mary or look more like Martha. Help us to put that aside, that what you are speaking to us today is I want you to be more like my son, Jesus. Who could face the hectic schedules with crowds pulling him in so many directions, who could fight the major battles, overcoming sin and death, the grave, the enemy, and hell. That it's through his power that we find peace. It's through his power that we're drawn into the presence of our good, good Father. So I ask you that as we leave here, let us leave refreshed challenged to spend more time in your presence so your presence determines what we do. And Father, I pray for anyone in this room that maybe they've never experienced that overwhelming peace of salvation. God, I pray that you give them the courage that where they sit, just in their quiet moment, to call out to you and say, Jesus, I need your peace. I want your identity. I ask you to forgive me of the busyness, the, the craziness, the sin in my life. I'm laying down my hopes and my expectations 
and my efforts at the feet of the cross so that I can take up your identity. I just want to challenge you. That's your prayer this morning. If you've never invited the peace and presence and salvation of God into your life and you spent your life trying to be someone else other than let Jesus shape your identity, I want to challenge you that after this, come talk to our prayer team at the front. There's going to be people walking out. You can come up. Our altars are open for any type of prayer you need. But if that's your decision today, I want you to come and talk to them because here's what I know. The seed can fall on good soil, but the seed also falls on rocky soil. And I understand this, that the thistles and the thorns and the worries and the distractions of this life are going to come and try to attack that word that God's put in your heart. We want to help you walk through that. We want to help you grow in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Father, as we leave here today, let us leave in your presence. Let us worship you and let us serve you fully immersed in your peace and your presence. And may this be a season of joy and peace knowing that we're in your presence and knowing that you, Emmanuel, are God with us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.